anything wrong in this situation. He took a pitch in the back. He got beamed for crying out loud. We used heart attack. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Could have done without that. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? The castration of the major league baseball managers. We know it. Ask me about my so I don't do too much recaps of local football games. You know, my uh, I, I don't necessarily have a uh, side one way or the other when it comes to Giants or Jets, but I really had to bring this point up because this was something that really kind of got to me. Giants and Jets game, obviously, listen, if you're a Giants or a Jets fan, you've done your own recap on a game by now. It's Tuesday. The game was on Sunday. We get it. Ugly football game, shitty weather. Uh, did not certainly did not seem to see the best in either one of these two teams. A lot of flaws, and obviously the Giants were put in a very unfortunate situation by not having their starting quarterback Daniel Jones. Tyrod Taylor, a very capable NFL backup quarterback, was in there, and probably the worst possible thing could happen. Tyrod Taylor was hurt. I have an issue, and I'm going to talk about the reason that I blame the entire game on one individual. And sometimes you're at fault just because you are who you are. Giants made a decision to do something that proves their uncertainty or almost incompetence. They chose to use a quarterback that they didn't trust to throw a forward pass in an NFL game. Now, my thought of it, you know, is like, hey, save the guy. He's probably doing the best he can. But if he is incapable of throwing a forward pass, he doesn't deserve to be number one on a practice squad. Number two, elevated to a roster to have the possibility that he could go in there and play a game. There's position players that play positions other than quarterback that are probably capable of throwing a forward pass. So if you don't trust this guy to throw a forward pass, he should never have been on your practice squad and obviously should never be in a position where you could come into a game when you know just an injury is just a play away. has nothing to do with Tyrod Taylor. has nothing to do with anybody else that could have been in there as that quarterback at that time. You could get hurt. Football is the most violent game, maybe one of the most violent games in all of sports. We know an injury is just a play away from happening. So the Giants, I thought, did a terrible job by rostering somebody that they did not trust to throw a forward pass. Like I said, I got an issue with that. I got an issue because there's many capable people that came from colleges, perhaps played in the NFL at some point, perhaps were sitting on somebody else's practice squad that, guess what, could have thrown a forward pass in that game. I don't want to hear any bullshit about the weather being a factor. Professionals could throw a football in the weather. This guy obviously couldn't. And unless I hear some statement from the Giants and Brian Dable that's going to stick up for this guy and say it was their decision to basically make him uh, useless, one-dimensional, able to throw a pass, then I'm throwing it 100% on Tommy DeVito. He, he should not have been there. He should have not been on a practice squad. He should have not have been in a position to come into an NFL game at that point. It reminded me of the NFC Championship game of last year. Brock Purdy ends up tearing his UCL on a, on a on a play where he's tackled. 
You go to Josh Johnson, he gets a concussion. Josh Johnson can't return. They were forced to put Brock Purdy back in there. Brock Purdy physically was unable to throw the football. The Giants almost did this by choice because they had somebody that they felt was incapable of throwing the football. You want to go back a couple of years ago to another thing that actually maybe the sole reason that former head coach Joe Judge was fired. His decision to kneel down on two plays and punt. How much off was the Giants' decision to try to protect their lead on Sunday to that decision? The Giants were losing. They probably accepted that they were going to lose in that Joe Judge coach game that, that I believe cost him his job. But we'll, they were playing not to lose. And if the Giants, you know, maybe Daniel Jones is ready to play next week. You know, you're hearing good things. At, at, at least it's a strong possibility. And Tyrod Taylor isn't able to play. Or neither Jones nor Taylor is available to play. You cannot have somebody that you don't trust throw a forward pass in a position to be in a football game, let alone be in a football game at some point. Because once that happens, it's not a oh, worst case scenario or just trying to get somebody out there. You planned for this. You chose out of all your backup quarterbacks you could have had for Tyrod Taylor to choose somebody that was incapable of throwing a freaking pass. And the reason that I'm agitated about this, you tell me why this guy is out there and white America is going to hate me for saying this, but why the hell isn't Colin Kaepernick in there? You tell me Colin Kaepernick couldn't have thrown a friggin' forward pass in that game? And we understand that he's been blackballed by every owner in the National Football League. And like I said, white America is going to come up with a hundred different reasons why he's not playing right now. Now the biggest one is, oh, he's too old. He's too far removed from the game. You tell me that Colin Kaepernick didn't give the Giants a better chance to win if he was in there than Tommy DeVito? Then your racism might be showing. Yep. Another thing I wanted to talk about today, and I sat on this for a while, Buck Showalter, uh, former now former Mets manager, obviously former Yankees manager, Diamondbacks manager, Rangers manager, Orioles manager. Um, my gut instinct is to want to see Buck back in a dugout and managing in Major League Baseball. And the same reason that I've been in favor of seeing a lot of other former Major League managers getting a chance. Bruce Bochy's in the World Series trying to win his fourth you know, after being out of the game for a couple of years, I, I was in favor of Tony La Russa getting another shot with the Chicago White Sox, even though that didn't work out. You know my take on Joe Madden and how much I like him. But, you know, my initial reaction is, you know, hopefully Buck gets a job and I, I want to see him lead a team to prominence. But liking the guy and, you know, appreciating his style of managing and what he can bring to the game has got to take a secondary seat to what will not be a very good opportunity if he were to get the job with the Los Angeles Angels. That's an organization that really needs to figure out what it wants to be because they're not a manager away from jumping back into the saddle and becoming a prominent team in the American League and certainly a contender in the American League West. They have one of the best players of this generation in Mike Trout. They've had the MVP in the American League, in Shohei Otani, the best pitcher-hitter combination in the history of Major League Baseball. They're probably about to lose him in free agency. There's a, a possibility they may bring him back, but odds are they're going to be outbid for his services. So if I'm Buck Showalter, yes, I want 
a major league baseball manager job because what do I say? Coach is coach. Bill Parcells. You know, I'm actually old enough to have done this show long enough to talk about Bill Parcells when he was coming back as a coach with the Dallas Cowboys. And mentioned back then, coach is coach. It's that urge that they get when they're not doing that job. And Buck Showalter is a major league baseball manager, and that's what he does. He manages. Uh, if I was advising him, I'd tell him maybe don't take the Angels job at this point. I think there's got to be a lot of reshuffling, and all Buck Showalter is going to be is a scapegoat when they go, don't get immediate results. When a couple of years go by and the Angels are in the same position, Buck could have contributed a ton to the organization and made them better, but all he's going to be is a scapegoat. So today, today's abbreviated version of saving sports history, today is the 31st day of October. I always remind the listener and viewer that because everything that I'm going to talk about now happened on this day in sports history on October 31st. So going back to the year of 1950, and I think this is a, a day that I think we should do a better job of remembering. Earl Lloyd becomes the first black NBA player to step foot on an NBA floor. Now, basketball was always ahead of the curve when it came to race. You know, the league had just started in 1946-1947, so you're talking about only a, a couple years after. Blacks have been welcomed in a league every team in the NBA has had at least one black coach. I wish the other sports would kind of follow suit. Major League Baseball still has 10 teams that have never had an African-American manager. The NFL still has 10 teams that have not had a black head coach. Cy Young Award winners, 1967, Mike McCormick of the San, of the San Francisco Giants won. 1969, Gaylord Perry won the Cy Young. And 1973, Tom Seaver won the Cy Young with the New York Mets all on this day, October 31st in baseball history. 1994, a 14-year-old star by the name of Venus Williams made her professional tennis debut, um, a straight set victory over a player that was ranked number 58 in the world. That happened on this day in 1994. 2014, Pro, uh, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame elects six new members. They had selected three members the previous year, but none were players on the ballot. So this year, after shutting the players out, obviously bitterness towards the steroids era because there were certainly a lot of qualified players that were on that ballot and eligible to be voted for that weren't. Some players still have not been given their due enshrinement. But on this day, Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, Frank Thomas, and then managers Bobby Cox, Tony La Russa, and Joe Torre, all elected into baseball's Hall of Fame. Born on this day, Pro Football Hall of Fame tackle Pete Henry was born on this day in 1897. Uh, a Washington offensive tackle, first team All-Pro, 1920 to 1923, which, by the way, is the first four seasons of organized professional football. NFL champion with the Canton Bulldogs in 1922 and 1923. Cal Hubbard was born on this day in 1900. Hall of Fame baseball umpire, but also prior to that was a Hall of Fame offensive tackle. NFL champion in 1927, 29, and 31 with the New York Giants and the Green Bay Packers. On his day just two years later, Wilbur Shaw 
Indianapolis 500 winner in 1937, 1939, and 1940. He was born on October 31st. 1951, six-time college football champion head coach Nick Saban was born on this day. And pro baseball Hall of Famer, finally, after waiting a long time, Fred the Crime Dog McGriff was born on this day in 1963. And I could give a shit of when it happens. It's a matter of... Knowing Fred McGriff now as a Baseball Hall of Famer like he always should have been. 1983, we lost legendary head football coach, five-time NFL champion George Hallis. Willie McCovey, one of the best power hitters that really have transcended the game of baseball, passed away on this day in 2018. And former NFL head coach with the New York Giants, John McVay. Sean McVay, of course, of the Los Angeles Rams, that's his grandfather, passed away on this day in 2022. He was the coach of the Giants from 1976 to 1978, was also the general manager of the San Francisco 49ers in 1988 and 1989. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPLA.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion, Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We'll be back with you soon. God bless you. Um, if you want to listen to the show on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music, videos on YouTube. God bless you, and as always, I'll see you on the other side. I have many leather-bound books. My apartment smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the friggin' World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on living my life. Now they come out as the biggest... Major League Baseball manager apologist. That'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Especially prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. I'm a dude who plays a dude disguises another dude. There are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Tommy Mack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. And what side of the spectrum they're on? Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside to hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if you were a fan of the team that was batting and the ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100%, unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at They put their tail between their legs and decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. You damn well right better give him a contract extension. You damn well right better make him the manager over the next series of years. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents some money for an abortion. <laughs>